This is The Guardian. We now live on a planet filled with plastic. Every minute, an entire garbage truck worth of plastic waste is dumped into the world's oceans. Plastic showing up in the stomachs and intestines of wild animals and in places on Earth that even humans don't occupy. Our love of it isn't slowing down either. We are continuing to increase our use of plastics and that is set to continue to occur until at least 2028. And while we usually associate plastic pollution with the products, bottles, bags, wrappers, Manufacturing these things from fossil fuels has a massive impact too. Which is why environmental law charity Client Earth and 13 other organisations stepped into a Flemish court on Tuesday. Their aim is to try and stop a huge new petrochemical plant being built in Antwerp, Belgium, and in doing so, slow the scale of plastic production in Europe. But what does actually making this stuff do to us and to the environment? Can the plant be stopped? And what will it take to finally get to grips with plastic pollution? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Sandra Laville, you're an environment correspondent for The Guardian, and this week you were reporting on the case environmental organisation Client Earth are taking to court to try and stop a petrochemical plant from being built in Belgium. So give me a bit of background to the plant. So this is called Project One and it's the brainchild of INEOS run by the billionaire Jim Ratcliffe, famous Brexiteer. This is going to be the biggest petrochemical plant to be built in Europe for 30 years and it's being seen as a sort of move into Europe of US-scale petrochemical production leading to plastic production because petrochemicals are used most often in plastic production and also pesticides, but plastic is the major outcome of petrochemicals. So the US currently produces about 20% of global plastic. Europe produces about 15% and the overwhelmingly largest producer is China at 32%. It's a real step up in petrochemical production in Europe. So step me through the actual process of making plastics and where this plant sits in that. 94% of plastic produced in the world is virgin plastic, if you like, so it's made straight from natural gas or oil from fossil fuels. That is refined into ethane or propane, and Project One will be using ethane. So what happens at Project One is the cracking, where ethane is heated at very high temperatures to break it down into ethylene and most ethylene is used in plastic production. So that's what you're looking at here in Project One, a massive cracking plant to produce ethylene from the ethane. And usually when we're thinking about the environmental impact of plastics, we're thinking about the pollution of the product, plastic bottles and bags in the ocean, and not the manufacturing part, not the element that you've just described. So what do we actually know about the environmental issues with producing the plastics? Well, plastics are made from fossil fuels and have huge greenhouse gas emissions. And they are very much the 
global oil and gas industry's plan B now that so many countries are trying to move to net zero and things like domestic heating and transport is trying to move into renewable energy. So they are pushing petrochemical plastic production to continue their revenue stream. By 2050, plastic consumption is going to account for 20% of oil and gas production. So it's a huge use of a fossil fuel with the same kinds of emissions issues and greenhouse gas issues as any other fossil fuel. And I'm also aware that within the cracking process, toxic chemicals are used, hazardous materials are used that if they do get into the environment, water, air, they can damage wildlife and they can also damage human health. And there have been incidents where these toxic materials have ended up in the environment. There are a couple of examples in the US in the, at the very least. I mean, petrochemical industry is a major source of pollution. Pollution that goes into the water stream. In this case, the fear is nitrogen pollution in an already over-polluted area and toxic air pollution, respiratory problems, health, you know, really serious health risks, increased cancer risk in people that live around petrochemical plants, adverse birth outcomes for women, and all of these are particularly impacting on children. So in Louisiana, there's a stretch along the Mississippi River known as Cancer Alley, where there's a petrochemical plant and the incidences of cancer, hence the name, are much higher. And these are often placed in low-income areas. So you've already got people living in dire socioeconomic situation being faced with increased pollution. In terms of Project One, it's right next to a, an environmentally protected site. So it sounds like there's lots of good reasons why this organisation, Client Earth, would want to stand in the way of INEOS building this petrochemical plant in Antwerp. So tell me about how they're trying to stop it from going ahead. The Flemish authorities gave permission for this plant in 2021. And what Client Earth are saying is that INEOS did not adequately produce an environmental impact assessment, which took into account all the direct and indirect climate and environmental and health implications of the plant and therefore they are in breach of EU environmental laws and that therefore the approval was illegal. So they're actually challenging, they're not taking INEOS to court, they're taking the Flemish government to court saying that they didn't get a proper environmental impact assessment and that the greenhouse gas emissions created by the production had not been mapped out completely. As you say, it's not INEOS being taken to court but have they responded to what Client Earth is saying about the environmental impacts of the plant? Well, Ineos says the plant is going to be the most environmentally sustainable cracker in Europe. It says the olefins, which is the ethane produced, will have an environmental footprint that is less than half of the average European naphtha cracker. They're saying the hydrogen that's generated during the production of the ethylene will be used as environmentally friendly fuel as burning hydrogen does not release any carbon. That reduces their carbon footprint substantially. And they say their electricity is covered by renewable energy. So they're trying to say that we are producing this, but it's in being done in a sustainable, more environmentally friendly way. I mean, the comparison is quite interesting to other cracking factories, given that cracking factories have a notorious pollution rate into waterways and into the air. You know, this is better than the worst, if you like. That's what they're saying. And so Client Earth was in court on Tuesday do we know what happened or what the next step for the case could be? 
it's going to be a long case. I mean, there are 13 organisations led by the client are taking this action. And first of all, they have to present the reasons why they are entitled to challenge this and what their interest is. And then they have to go through the environmental impact assessment that's been made and argue that it hasn't taken into account the indirect climate and environmental and health implications of this petrochemical plant. So it's going to go on for some time. It will either end in the domestic court making a decision or what I think Client Earth will be pushing for is for the European Court of Justice to be considering this case because they want a decision which will be a precedent. So if this case goes to the European Court of Justice and the plant approval is overturned, they want that to be a precedent for other applications for other petrochemical plants. Sandra, not that long ago, we reported on the Willow Project in Science Weekly, a big oil drilling venture in Alaska that was being challenged in the courts by a group of environmental organisations. And similarly, they were saying that the permission for it to go ahead shouldn't have been granted because of the environmental impacts and those not being properly taken into account. So what should we make of the fact that it's falling to challenges from legal NGOs to protect the environment from government decisions? What I would make of it is that there are huge lobbying infrastructures behind fossil fuel companies, behind the plastics industry. They put in enormous efforts and enormous money to go and lobby governments, ministers to argue the sustainability of their project, the money that the region might make out of this. The jobs are always a big selling point for politicians. They can argue to the population that they will have more jobs. So all of these things are being weighed up by politicians. And and often I think we've seen that the environment doesn't get considered as seriously as it should be. And I think that's where increasingly legal NGOs focused on the environment are making headway, if you like, um, I mean, in America, Earth Justice has been fighting for two communities against two petrochemical facilities in Louisiana. And last September, they had a major breakthrough in which they won victories in court to stop these things going ahead. And it seems like this is an increasingly viable route for these kinds of organisations because the science has become so much clearer on the environmental and health impacts that these kinds of projects can have. Yes, I think the science has become clearer and the cancers are there for people to see. And I also think the issue of plastic being a fossil fuel, I don't think the general public is too aware of that. And I think that's something that more could be done about. You know, when you buy your plastic, you are buying a fossil fuel product and that fossil fuel product has been created emitting climate warming greenhouse gases. And when you finish it and throw it away, most of them aren't recycled. Most of them are either incinerated or buried into the ground where they emit chemicals or burnt often in developing countries out in the open where they emit toxic air pollution. So every time you buy your throwaway sandwich at lunchtime, try and think of the chain of that plastic. And the United Nations has said that the impacts of plastic production and the pollution that they cause after these products have been made, you know, is a crisis of climate change, nature loss and pollution and and it's a catastrophe in the making. So we need to wean ourselves off them but we all use plastics all the time and so how do you see us beginning to achieve that? 
a bit of carrot, but more stick. I mean, it has to be domestic governments. The EU has banned many kinds of single-use plastics. The British government is contemplating, as it has been doing for the last five years, whether it's going to ban anything, but hasn't done anything yet. I don't think you can compete against this giant industry without legislation to ban this stuff. It's toxic. It's greenhouse gas emitting. We do not need to be going in the developed world to buy water in plastic bottles. It's just not needed. But, you know, again, we're up against a huge marketing industry and sort of this industry makes an enormous amount of money. So I think as an ordinary person, it's about our vote. (laughs) Who are we going to vote for? What are we going to make their policies about? And that's about you know, democracy at its grassroots, that's all I could say. I mean, it it seems often quite hopeless, to be honest, because the scale of plastic production is so enormous. Thanks to Sandra Leville. You can read her article covering this story at theguardian.com. Before you go, please don't forget to subscribe to The Guardian's podcast series, Cotton Capital, which is looking at The Guardian's links to transatlantic slavery. New episodes are released every Monday, Episode 4 travels to Brazil to find out more about The Guardian's connection there. Search for Cotton Capital wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. And that's it for today. The producers were me, Madeline Finley and Ned Carter-Miles. The sound design was by Tony Onuchuku. And the executive producer was Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian.